You're listening to the Wellington Mornings Podcast with Nick Mills from Newstalk ZB. Taking the pulse of the city, the capital letter on Newstalk ZB. Every week we speak to Georgina Campbell. She's New Zealand Herald's Wellington's Issues reporter and she keeps up uh, to date with everything that's happening in the city. If you want to know anything that's happening in the city and get to the bottom of everything, Georgina Campbell's the person to, to Google and look for her articles. George, good morning. Good morning. Firstly, I know the answer to this before I ask you. Absolutely know the answer. You know, Jack's saying to me, you won't know. I said, I do know. Top sheet or no top sheet? Top sheet. Yeah, of course. But it's the way that the top sheet is put on the bed. So the to- like the top of the top sheet has to be folded over the duvet. Yeah, of and course. Then it- well, some people don't. They like fold it under and then put the duvet on top. Oh, you can't do that. Then you pull the top sheet and the duvet over when, it- when you put it over your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, not into that. So huh? it's got to be one. Oh yeah, that's me, me and me and you. But oh, that's yeah, that's. I thought everyone did that. No, don't they? <laughs> no. I, and I bet you, and I'm going to bet you again. I'm I'm a gambler today. I bet you again. You're one of those people with 34 pillows on the on your bed. There are six. Yeah, well, you only need two, <laughs> don't you? You know. Jack says he's got four. Why do you need four pillows? You only need two, one pillow each, because you have your favourite pillow. You use the same pillow every night, don't you? Yeah, but I only sleep with one pillow, but then you want the pillows to, like, prop you up in the morning when you're reading the news. Yeah, when you get your iPad out. Yeah, Yeah. I get that. But I just fling over to the – fling over and pinch someone else's. George, let's get serious. Mm. Not that a top sheet's not serious. You spoke to the owner of Loafers Lodge in Wellington – now we know, or have been told, that there's reportedly six people tragically have died in that fire. What did he have to say? How is he? Yeah, well, uh, the owner says that they're all battling at the moment. Um, you know, he said his energy yesterday was focused on working with management, the bereaved and relocating displaced tenants. Um, He said that, you know, police and the fire service have control of the building, so he's really in the dark just as much as everybody else is as to what they might find in the building or how the fire may have been caused. So he sort of didn't really have a lot to say apart from that um, until, I guess, we know more, just like everyone else. I just want to ask you, the police and fire have taken control of the building, so he can't go in there. No one from any of the building, the managers and all that, can't go near it. It's basically under the control of police and fire at this stage? Yes, that's correct. Okay. You were down there yesterday. You were wandering around. How does it feel? I mean, you're a reporter that's seen a lot of stuff in your lifetime. How did it feel? It's an awful, tragic story, Nick. And I think, you know, there was one particular part of the cordon where I was in where you can look straight up at the building so directly in front of it and the top windows um, you know obviously there are no no panes left and so you can see through how charred it is you can see the big gaping holes through the roof Um, you know firefighters were sort of going up there sporadically and you could see them walking around and and looking at some of the damage Um, they were still hosing down um, the roof from above um, and and hosing down the road and things as well so it's, it's very confronting and especially I think personally to think you know people have died um, yesterday they were obviously still trying to secure the building work out um, 
you know, where they could go, where they couldn't go, and just you know to think that those people who have passed away are still still there um, and recovering those bodies and and going through the coronial process. I mean, this is pretty horrific story to even be talking about but and we spoke to Nick James ZB reporter a half an hour ago and he said it, there wasn't the family or friends staying there now that surprised me but I thought there would be I mean not staying there hanging around the area because if it was someone that that I was missing I would be there so I thought there'd be quite a few people there but there isn't though yeah, yesterday I did speak to one person who was desperately looking for his friend who had lived in the top floor, so that what I just described, the one that looked really terribly burnt from the fire. And, you know, when he heard about this first thing in the morning, he went straight to the scene looking for his friend, um, and I spoke to him briefly. As it turned out, um, this friend had actually moved out of the apartment um, within the past month, so very lucky, and, and he had that sense of, of relief. Um, but... Yeah, I think I really feel for those people who haven't heard from their friends or family um, and and are looking for them and and trying to work out, you know, whether they have just relocated to somewhere else or, or, you know, whether they are one of those people who've died. And we said in the last hour, and I'll say it again in this hour, that if you are one of the 11 people that they're looking for and you have left the building... Uh, and don't want to be found because there'll, there'll be some in that situation where they think this is an opportunity to, to, to get away from everything. Could you please just contact the powers of B or contact the GP, contact anybody so that they know that you're alive because that would be terrifying not knowing what's going on with those 11 people, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, um, George, we've talked about this piece of crap ship. Um, I'm calling it a piece of crap. You're not allowed to call that, but I, I'll I'll call it the eight, the MV Shilling. It's a cargo ship that was temporarily repaired, uh, then allowed to leave Wellington. It sat outside our front window for, I'd say, at least a month. I mean, it was there for a while. I'm not an investigator reporter, so don't quote me that it sat there for a month, but it was there for a while. Every time I drove past it, I said, what a piece of crap. When is it going to go? was fixed, went down to the South Island, broke down again, and guess what? What? It's coming back. <laughs> it's coming back. Centreport is preparing for its um, potential return to Wellington. But the revelation here is that it was only temporarily repaired um, here in Wellington after its most recent breakdown in April. Um, so, of course, this Mayday call is the fourth incident involving the ship that New Zealand authorities have had to deal with in the past year. So it lost power in April. Repairs were required to the ship's generators and main engine. However, permanent repairs could not be done in New Zealand. Um, so basically what happened is temporary repairs were completed to a standard that they thought <laughs> would, get would give Shilling sufficient engine power to sail to Singapore for a permanent solution. Um, well, it didn't get very far, did it? Um, <laughs> so instead it lost power again, and this time in open water, so far more serious, hence the Mayday call, and um, last time I heard it was anchored at Tasman Bay. Um, but just to note that the sign-off came from Shilling's Classification Society. So basically... Um, Lloyd's Register had to confirm to Maritime New Zealand that it was satisfied with these temporary repairs um, and then after that Maritime New Zealand released Shilling from detention. And it has to get back to Singapore. I mean that's just ridiculous because it's not going to get there is it? Well I'm, I'm not putting that words in your mouth. I'm saying it doesn't look like it's going to get all the way to Singapore. It looks like it's going to struggle to get from the South Island to Wellington. But let's move on. George you've written about some AA research into the planned motorway between Otaki and north of Levin. What did you find out there? 
Yeah, this is really interesting actually because the research shows that more than 28 people could be saved from serious injury or death over five years. Um, so over the over the past five years on this road, 19 people have been killed and 56 have been seriously injured. It is a seriously dangerous road. No one is as one of the most dangerous in the country. So there is a planned motorway um, afoot. Uh, but yeah, AA basically um, found a new road or bypass reduce deaths and serious injuries on average by more than a third. So um, they looked at seven new roads across the country and, and the old versions of those roads and crunched some numbers. So the equivalent of that between the Ōtaki to north of Levin stretch is yeah, more than 28 people um, could be saved from serious injury or death over five years. And AA um, actually suspects that that might be quite a conservative estimate considering the number of incidents on, on that road. And we know that new motorways save lives because of your favourite and my favourite piece of strip of road uh, in the last couple of years, Transmission Gully. Well, I'm saying it's my favourite. It might not be your favourite, but I know you've written about it enough, so you know it pretty damn well. Uh, that touchwood has still not had a fatality. Yes. And yeah, we know that stretch of the old road was also a, a death trap. Yeah, and and you know, Otaki to north of Levin is that final instalment of that of that stretch. You know that includes Transmission Gully, and uh, yeah, I mean, God, you just think back to all yeah, of the incidents I, that happened I on know. that stretch in its totality, let alone just the Otaki to north of Levin bit. So it will—it's a very important corridor, and it will um, save a lot of lives. George, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, Georgina Campbell, New Zealand Herald, Wellington's issues reporter. Keep up to date with the Herald website. For more from Wellington Mornings with Nick Mills, listen live to News Talk ZB Wellington from 9am weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, a, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.